0: If anyone told him he was too young to run for the Oklahoma State Legislature, he wasn't listening. I'm Garland McWaters, and this is the Spirit of Leading podcast. episode of the Spirit of Leading podcast, you'll meet the youngest member of the Oklahoma State Legislature elected in the November 2018 election cycle. He is 22-year-old Daniel Pay, and he now represents House District 62 from the Lawton area in southwest Oklahoma. Uh, Daniel's going to join, or Representative Pay, now I I should say, is going to join 47 other freshman representatives who took their oath of office on November the 16th, in the 101-seat House of Representatives when the legislature convenes in February. And he's part of a growing number of younger men and women running for and being elected to office. Representative Pay, congratulations on your election, and thank you so much for joining us on the Spirit of Leading podcast.
1: Uh, well, thank you, Colin. It's my pleasure to be here with you. and looking forward to this program.
0: I want to mention before we get into our, our conversation that we're being hosted for this podcast uh, in Lawton uh, at Bank First. Uh, Bank First and Lawton and its local president, Mark Brace, for, and I want to thank them for offering their boardroom for us to be able to record this podcast. We, it's a traveling road show, and I'm always <laughs> looking for a place to, to record, so we're very ha- thankful that uh, they made, made this very nice facility uh, available to us. So uh, Representative Pay, the f- obvious first question is why? Why <laughs> did you decide to run for a state office at the tender age of 22? I
1: think uh, you mentioned this in the introduction, uh, this is my home, and uh, I uh, for all my life have thought about uh, ways to give back to this community, um, and this just made sense. Uh, I was born and raised in Laden. Uh, my mom and dad are actually from South Korea, they came here in 1983 and opened up a small business in 1989, the Dry Cleaners, um, and so I met a lot of soldiers who have been stationed here because of Fort Sill. Along the way, uh, I got to learn a lot of good lessons from them about hard work, tenacity, uh, perseverance. Uh, That kind of guided me through Lawton Public Schools and ultimately to Norman, uh, where I attended the University of Oklahoma. And uh, I accumulated quite a bit of education, graduated in four years with my bachelor's and master's degree at the same time. Uh, I had internships at both the federal and state level of government. And then with all that education and experience, I wanted to come back home uh, to, br- to bring this community together. And I thought by running for office uh, for this position, with everything going on in Oklahoma, uh, I can make a positive difference uh, for my fellow uh, and That's what I talked about on the campaign trail, was how we're uh, so divided right now as a country along party lines and you name it. And we really uh, have to acknowledge that we have a lot more in common. We have a lot more things we can accomplish uh, together. We got to accomplish together, particularly when it comes to education, healthcare. Uh, infrastructure and the budget, Uh, these are the issues I talked to voters about. I think it really resonated. I'm proud of the fact that our campaign was bipartisan. We had support from across party lines, across all sorts of uh, disciplines, and uh, I think that's what made us uh, very uh, competitive at the end of the day, was that bipartisan support and the fact that our message resonated with uh, voters from across the spectrum. Uh, That's how I intend to uh, Governance well by bringing people together
0: well that's encouraging to hear because I know I uh, as we've listened to the national conversation over the last several years actually mm-hmm. this uh, notion that uh, there's gridlock and people just aren't talking to each other anymore not only they're not talking to each other they are not even they're not even connecting with sure. each other in any other kind of way you're yeah. like you're over there and I'm over here and we don't ever you know sit on the same side of the room yeah. kind of thing and I'm thinking uh, you know, when couples do this, they need counseling. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so it sounds to me like our legislation needs like some 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 relationship counseling yeah. or something, you know, yeah. to do that. Now, I you, usually something uh, spa- is a spark that happens someplace. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get. Uh, something catches your attention or it gets into your blood or something uh, to, that gets you that makes you want to be a part mm-hmm. of the political scene of uh, how did that happen for you do you remember when, well,
1: when that was well to be honest I wanted to be a doctor at first uh, I volunteered at the Comanche County Memorial Hospital when I was a, a teenager during the summers uh, I shadowed a few doctors and uh, was very interested in medicine and then I got to OU took a couple of math and science classes and quickly learned it was not for me. <laughs> and uh, so I switched gears, um, took government and economics related courses. One in particular was taught by uh, then OU president uh, David Bourne. Mm-hmm. And now he was a former governor, former senator of this state. Uh, he has a wealth of knowledge to, to give. And so uh, I listened very closely to his life story and kind of his passion for public service. And that really uh, persuaded me to change directions, and so I got involved in student government. I ran for student vice president. Uh, I was the underdog in that race because people said I wasn't well-known and well popular enough to, to win, uh, but like with this campaign, I brought people together and worked aggressively to earn every vote and won that election and got to serve in that position for uh, one year, uh, and so ever since, I think uh, I've kind of been drawn uh, to public service, uh, and certainly one of my uh, political role models uh, just recently passed away as President George Bush Sr. Uh, I think he also had a passion for public service and cared about other people he was uh, well known for the thousands of thank-you letters he wrote to uh, anyone and everyone he met um, and I think uh, we need more of his politics and his leadership style in this country uh, right now.
0: Right he certainly exuded a and an elegance I guess mm-hmm. in that uh, in that role I remember him well Uh, He modeled the office, Mm -hmm. and uh, I've always appreciated that about the kind of service that he gave to the country. Plus, all the other things he had done Mm -hmm. earlier in life, you know, in terms of the the CIA and Mm -hmm. his other wealth of wealth of experience. And, uh, and so you mentioned that you had interned at the uh, federal level. I pres- presume it was with your local representative, uh, Absolutely. Tom, Tom Cole. Absolutely. And uh, what's something you learned there? What uh, I mean, you got to be up there in the middle of all that, mm-hmm. you know. And so what did you pick up there that you think really impacted you?
1: First of all, I thoroughly enjoyed the internship because uh, he was very transparent with uh, the interns and with the staff. Uh, every week uh, he would gather us around, and we got to ask him any questions personal or policy related questions and he was very forthcoming uh, and honest. And and I respect that tremendously. Um, I think uh, the thing he emphasized the most was, uh, remember how you got here, remember uh, who who sent you in this position. Uh, It wasn't any special interest groups or any lobbyists, it was the voters back home in the district. Uh, And that's who he always fought for and he always uh, thought of every time he cast a vote on any piece of legislation. And I think for my position now, as state representative, that's something that I remember is that the voters of House District 62 that's who I'm fighting for. Uh, they're my boss, uh, not any uh, special interest groups or lobbyists or party leadership. Uh, it's all about the voters back here at home. Uh, I think that's definitely a lesson I learned from Congressman Cole. Uh, I think it's a great lesson uh, for any uh, legislator or representative.
0: Uh, I think that's what we expect of all of our elected leaders, and in, in uh, whether it's at the city level or the legislature or the na- national nation's capital. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and I always told people that for me, I, I thought of governing as like riding a bike. When you ride a bike, you can't lean too far to the left or the right. You got to be uh, balanced, otherwise, you're going to fall off. And I think right now we got a lot of folks in office who either don't know how to ride a bike or who've forgotten <laughs> how to ride a bike. And um, uh, I think that's part, part of our long-term challenge as a country is recognizing that you got to have a balanced approach uh, to politics. And frankly, uh, I, you know, election cycle is always exciting and everything, but uh, we got to stop thinking about the next election and start thinking about the next generation and how we uh, can help them out. Uh, people my age and younger, uh, how do we leave a better community and a country for them over the long run?
0: talk about the next generation you are that generation hey, yeah right I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. you right yeah. so my generation the boomer generation is looking back at this younger generation yeah. and saying okay well you know the ball's in your court we had our time mm-hmm. and now we're really looking back and say what can we do to help this uh, this next generation really be successful yeah and that
1: was the same I heard from voters like on the doorstep is that you know obviously I was like how old are you <laughs> And then when I told them, they were, like, uh, very excited. Uh, and I, I thought initially it would be a hindrance, but quite the opposite. People right. were excited that I was young and uh, willing to get involved, uh, they wanted some fresh perspective, uh, some young blood uh, injected into the legislative system. Uh, and so I, I was uh, encouraged by that. People said exactly what you just said, that they're, they're ready for passing the baton uh, to folks in my generation. Because uh, I think we're at that turning point now uh, as a country. And I, I think... Uh, for, for people my age, what I've noticed is that we're, because uh, we grew up in the time of hyper-partisan politics, uh, we're, we're very pragmatic. We're, we're tied to just the division and the politics of everything. And we want to just focus on what's common sense and uh, what's non-ideological. At the end of the day uh, so that's why I'm encouraged as we as we go forward uh, for the future of this country.
0: Well that's certainly a, a breath of fresh air in a sense where mm-hmm. it's about uh, what needs to what do we need to do the right thing to do right. uh, things that have a chance of working and really mm-hmm. solving problems or creating new possibilities mm-hmm. and not just what does the party think mm-hmm. you know and so that's what we've, uh, we've tr- we're trying to get past and mm-hmm. hopefully uh, that'll be your experience. Now uh, going into this particular legislative session here in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. as I mentioned in my introduction, forty some odd new ones. That's mm-hmm. ha- almost almost half mm-hmm. for the first time. That's half yep. first timers, yeah. half the group. And you look at the you look at uh, who was there last year, and there were or, or the last session, and there were a lot of newbies there then mm-hmm. as well. So you look at the at the uh, number of uh, legislators who have basically two or years or less experience going into this one, and that's about 65, 70. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. And uh, so what do you think uh, challenges as well as opportunities that sort of uh, puts in front of you at, at this time?
1: Yeah, and you're absolutely correct. In the House, there are 46 brand-new representatives, uh, 11 uh, brand-new senators. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, because of the freshman orientation in the caucus retreat, I've had a chance to get to know many of my uh, fellow fashion representatives. Um, and uh, I am uh, very optimistic based on uh, the conversations I've had with them. Uh, it seems like we're all ready to govern. Uh, we're, we're all really uh, passionate about uh, the uh, solving the issues facing our state. Uh, and we don't want to you know, play politics uh, with right. anything. We want to get the job done uh, for the voters who sent us uh, to the state capitol. Um, and yeah, I think uh, that's what the opportunity is. So alongside the fact we have a new governor, uh, we can really turn the page uh, onto a new chapter uh, for this state. The uh, challenge would be you know, get, getting everyone uh, to uh, move in the, in the same right direction because uh, we have so much diversity now. Uh, and there will be some disagreement. It's just natural because we have so many folks from uh, different walks of life. Uh, I think that's a good thing because you, you have to have that discourse and that debate. Right. Uh, about what what is good policy for Oklahoma. Um, I think the challenge will also be for some of these members. Uh, uh, this is brand new to them. They don't know anything about the basic uh, policy procedure or legislative process. Uh, you know, for me, you know, having been an intern and seeing that firsthand, I am familiar with that. And, and I'll be able to uh, help some of the other uh, new members uh, get started. Particularly in our area, we have a lot of new representatives, uh, not just at the state level, but also at the city level. We have a new mayor for Lawton. Uh, I'm excited to get to work with uh, Mr. Booker, and uh, I know he's made um, collaborating at the state and local level one of his major uh, objectives. Uh, So I hope that we have the chance to uh, really uh, bring our levels of government um, on the same page with many of these issues, because that's, uh, I think, how you have long-term sustainable changes by uh, working together and implementing long-term uh, policies. And you mentioned earlier, it's kind of the uh, the fact that nowadays it's hard to uh, talk with one another, interact with one another, particularly for folks with uh, different political preferences. And I kind of thought about that when selecting an office uh, w- with our... Uh, Law and freshman class, we had to do a random lottery about who went first uh, to pick an office. Uh, I was actually fifth on the list, uh, and so I I could have chosen an office on the third or fourth floor, uh, but I ultimately decided to choose an office on the fifth floor, and typically at the Oklahoma State Capitol, that's where the Democrats are usually at, is on the fifth floor. I knew that, and I I thought it'd be cool uh, to have an office up there. Uh, It'll be me and I think uh, five other Republicans or so, uh, but we'll all be up there, and, uh, you know, that means we have to say good morning. We have to say how are you doing to our Democratic colleagues and build relationships. Uh, I think that's awesome. I think that's what voters expect uh, from an alamic is not to operate just in silos, but to actually uh, work well with each other. Uh, that's what we all do at our respective jobs. Uh, it's, it's a common professional expectation. Uh, I think uh, that's what I intend to do is build those relationships with the folks across the aisle. I think by having my office next to so many of them, I think that can happen uh, pretty organically.
0: It kind of leads into a question I wanted to ask you because I was looking over your campaign Mm -hmm. website, and I noticed that uh, one of the things you said was that you wanted to engage in servant leadership to promote the interests of your community and your Mm -hmm. state. Uh, servant leadership is a concept that's very prominent in business. Uh, my, so my question is, well, how do you see yourself demonstrating that? How will you act as a servant leader to make this a reality?
1: Uh, I think one of the most important attributes of a servant leader uh, is listening and, and learning from others. And I think oftentimes politicians uh, talk more than, li- more than they listen, and I think it should be the other way around. One of the uh, biggest pieces of advice I've received so far in this transition is that you got to build strong relationships with your fellow colleagues. Uh, That's how you ultimately pass legislation and get things done. A big part of that is just kinda getting to know other people, uh, listening to what issues they're passionate about, uh, where they're from, why they decided to run for office in the first place. And and then you can uh, be an effective um, advocate uh, for your constituents and be an effective servant leader. I think uh, there's temptation uh, in today's uh, uh, discourse just to uh, be the one uh, who's the loudest and who talks the most. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you know the most, it just means that you're the loudest. Uh, I think uh, President Bush Sr. also had a quote saying that uh, he was known as a quiet man, but that meant he could hear the quiet people who others uh, might not have heard. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's similar to me. Is that I'm you know kind of a res- reserved, uh, introverted person, uh, but I think we need those types of people uh, in leadership positions, because uh, we help balance things out and provide a perspective that uh, you know, otherwise would not have been provided.
0: I like the way you said that was when you're quiet, you can listen to other quiet people mm-hmm. because a lot of times they don't know quite how to mm-hmm. put their ideas right. out. And, and I can't imagine a legislator not being quiet, <laughs> But uh, but <laughs> I'm sure there are places where people come and they want to, have a conversation with you, and they're not quite sure how they yeah. are to present it, and, yeah. and being able to sort of listen and help them, help them to articulate yeah. what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. That's I, I, in fact, I I call that assertive listening. Sure. I teach a class That's on good. assertive listening, yeah. and I say it's not just nodding your head and agreeing. It's listening to what people aren't saying but want to say, and mm-hmm. helping them to say it. Yeah. Then you're basically pulling, helping them to articulate or express. Uh, their own ideas, yeah. and that really is a next-level kind of listening, I yeah. think. Yeah,
1: and during the past year, like, working for the city manager, uh, that's that's what I did most of the time, was uh, take calls or listen to people who came into the office uh, with concerns about the trash, um, the water bill, the neighbor, and, uh, you know, sometimes I didn't have the answer, but I told them that I would find the answer. I would call it, contact the uh, proper department or division uh, and try to help them out. I uh, think that's going to uh, be very helpful uh, with this position because there will be people coming to the office and to the capitol uh, and call our, uh, call in and you got to make sure you're calm uh, that you're attentive and that you just uh, do your best I, I think that's the key is doing your best uh, i think people acknowledge that governments are very uh, intricate bureaucracy and uh, it's hard to to find the answer immediately uh, but as long as you tell them that you you care about them you, you know where they're coming from and you're willing to help them out uh, I think that's what they want to hear at the end of the day.
0: But I know they also know that you probably stand for something, mm-hmm. uh, because I—it's one thing to say, "Hey, I'm a nice guy. Right, I listen." Right. But you know they're going to want to say, "Well, I mean, what are you going to do? What's mm-hmm. important to you, policy-wise, sure. and what difference do you really want to make?" And I—I I know I, I was reading uh, something that you had written about your uh, about your experience as an SGA president mm-hmm. at OU, and, and you said that it's not because you wanted a title of glory, but you had so you had a decent plan of action and very specific vision for what you wanted mm-hmm. to accomplish while you were there. And so I'm, I'm assuming you have some particular vision Absolutely. of the things you want to accomplish you know, as a legislator. So yep. w- what would some of those be?
1: Well, the uh, three committees that uh, I uh, requested, those three were Veterans and Military Affairs, County and Municipal Government, and then Higher Education and uh, Career tech. And so I think those three committees kind of summarize uh, the issues I'm particularly passionate about, when it comes to veterans, uh, just because of growing up meeting so many um, soldiers uh, at the at the dry cleaners, helping my parents out, or simply by you know, knocking on doors to pasture and uh, meeting so many veterans, uh, who they've been stationed all over the world, but decided to retire here in Laudan, Fort Sill. Uh, hearing their stories about uh, kind of the challenges of getting access to healthcare. Uh, access to good o- job opportunities, um, that, that's something I really want to uh, focus on as a legislator and work with other members on veterans' issues. Uh, and then with uh, cities, um, you know, we're the only state in the country where our cities are heavily re- reliant on sales tax revenue. Other states have diversified, changed uh, the tax structures uh, to be less uh, unstable. And I think we got to do the same. I don't, I don't know what the answer is yet, but I want to do more research on that particular uh, topic. And then when it comes to higher ed and career tech, I think those two have got to be intertwined. They cannot operate simply as silos anymore. Uh, when I was growing up, it seemed like college, you know, four-year public university, was what everyone uh, emphasized, and and was great for me. Uh, but every person is different, and they have different uh, aspirations and I think for some young people, uh, career tech is the appropriate option for them. Uh, we, we need good trade jobs, wellness, technicians, carpenters uh, to be filled in this country. Uh, but there is a growing skills gap right now uh, because I think there's a stigma associated with trade school in that uh, that's something that's not as worthwhile as, say, a four-year public university education. Well, I think it should be an all-of-the-above approach where after you graduate from high school, if you want to go to college, if you want to go to uh Trade school, uh, both are great options. And so I think overall those are the types of issues uh, that I'm focused on. They're all long term uh, uh, with with respect to um, the impact of our overall state's economy. Um, And uh, we got to make sure we invest in each of those areas if we want to grow.
0: You're absolutely right. And I think the, to speak to the larger application of that is that there are so many possibilities available to us in Oklahoma mm-hmm. on so many issues if we would just step back and pursue those possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talked earlier about uh, about uh, partisan positions. Mm-hmm. And being wanting to work with a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. And I know as a trainer myself, I say the the worst thing you can have is one good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great ideas come from a lot of ideas. Absolutely. And, and, and a lot of, you got to throw a bunch of stuff out there and get the conversation going and say, what about this? And what about that? And what if we did this? Or what if we put this together with that? Mm-hmm. How would that work? You know? And it, so it's a real messy kind of thing for a while. Mm-hmm. And then it, it starts to sort of come together. Yeah. Do, do you see that kind of thing actually being able to happen in the legislature?
1: Uh, I think one issue that can bring both parties together, and it already has, is um, as it relates to our criminal justice system. Uh, we're now number one in the entire world when it comes to our incarceration rate, uh, and uh, I think it's rejected over the next 10 years if we do absolutely no additional reforms. We have to build three to four new additional uh, prisons, and uh, that's another $2 billion in expenditures we got to— to vote um, to criminal justice efforts. Uh, and I think uh, it's already started, but uh, we have to have some reforms in place to emphasize um, uh, treatment um, and reintegration uh, for a lot of these uh, non-violent offenders um, and offering um, uh, help uh, to those with uh, mental challenges, uh, and drug addictions. Uh, that's how you ultimately get the recidivism rate down and then reduce your prison populations. Yeah, I know there are good Republicans and good Democrats uh, who are passionate about this issue. And I think um, you know, there's also an effort nationwide on this particular topic. Uh, I think the Senate's hopefully about to uh, get a vote on this over the next couple of days. Uh, and that's got an unusual coalition of everyone from Ted Cruz to Elizabeth Warren on the same page. Uh, so I think this is an issue that transcends politics. And uh, it's one that uh, is ba- badly needed to be addressed uh, for a while now and uh, hopefully we can make some uh, progress. I saw a statistic that with state questions uh, 780 and 781, uh, that we're always seeing an immediate impact because of those uh, reforms of uh, reducing some uh, felonies down to misdemeanors uh, and and using that money to offer treatment uh, and help to certain prisoners. Um, uh, That's what we need right now in Oklahoma. And I think with this next legislative session you can see Uh, efforts to build upon the reforms that were passed uh, during this past year.
0: Well, that's uh, certainly a big issue. And and I know I I can't let you get away without asking you about education. I Mm -hmm. mean, that's a big deal in Oklahoma right now. And whenever I'm with uh, young people, uh, I ask them what their concerns are. I mean, education is right at the top every Mm -hmm. time because a lot of them uh, are are newlyweds. They haven't started their families Mm -hmm. or they're just starting their families. They don't have school-aged children, but they're thinking about, okay, what's the What's the the educational system going to be like when my kids are in those schools? Mm-hmm. And uh, and it really matters to them. It's a big decision point for them on whether or not they're going to stay in the state or move on mm-hmm. someplace else. So what's your take on that? How are you going to approach that issue?
1: Yeah, well, I think Lawton-Fort Sill uh, is an excellent model on this issue. Uh, a year ago, we, we had a, a school bond issue, a $99.5 million. Uh, it was a student investment program that – uh, did many things, uh, such as building a brand new middle school, investing in safe rooms, providing uh, updated technology, textbooks, uh, basic supplies uh, to classrooms. And uh, Lawton uh, in the past was not really well known for passing school bonds. In fact, a lot of them failed at the ballot box. But I think th- last year, uh, there was an acknowledgement in the community that uh, we had to invest in education. Uh, and I think this issue, Uh, transcended uh, political lines. Uh, That's how we ultimately got close to 75% of the local uh, community to vote in favor. We had to do something similar at the state where we put aside the the political jargon and the rhetoric and uh, identify what can we do to really help our teachers and our students. I think we made progress this year with the teacher pay raise increase uh, but we're not done yet. I think there's a lot more to do as far as getting additional funding to the classrooms uh to help teachers we get supplies uh, we had to be mindful about the teacher pay scale we can't just uh, uh, now wait 10 years and figure out where things are at because other states are going to be changing their pay scale and we got to make sure we're proactive we cannot continue to play catch-up uh, I, I don't want to see that uh, for our state uh, and then again going back to our earlier conversation about uh, career tech make sure you emphasize a long-term vision for uh, students at an early age. Make them start thinking about uh, these options, even when they're in sixth and seventh grade, about college and career tech. Uh, That way they're not rushed to a decision when they're 17, 18 years old. Uh, That's, I think, what happened with a lot of my friends is that they didn't really uh, feel prepared to make that. uh, It's a big decision uh, for your life uh, at that age. Um, And so I think we got to think those issues, along with uh, mental health, uh, that's become another big topic in our education um, conversation. Uh, we've seen an increase in diagnosis of uh, anxiety and depression, particularly among young people, um, and we got to be uh, attended to that need. In general, I think we all have to work together, whether it's common ed, higher ed, or career tech. Uh, you can't just operate uh, in silos and doing your own thing. you got to collaborate. That's how a lot of other uh, members uh, see it, and uh, that's why I'm really uh, optimistic and encouraged that we can really make some progress on this issue well it is
0: encouraging to hear that mm-hmm. perspective partic- particularly from someone who's on the inside yeah and is talking with others who are mm-hmm. have sim- uh, who are like-minded mm-hmm. and want to see something constructive and positive happen from that so uh, before we wrap up here I want to know a little bit more about uh, about, about you sort of sure. from the way you see yourself mm-hmm. uh, what do you what do you think have been the biggest lessons personal lessons you have learned in your experiences over the last, say, five or six years when you've really been more active, you know, in this political environment that uh, have shaped uh, the Daniel pay that you are today?
1: Um, I think one important lesson is that you always have to uh, expect the unexpected, uh, that um, you can have a plan, uh, but things happen ultimately. And uh, that's what part of being uh, an effective leader is, is making sure you're calm and collected uh, no matter how... Uh, the circumstances may change. Um, and I think I've, al- I've also learned that in, in this day and age, uh, despite what we hear and see on the news, it's still possible uh, to have a belief that politics can bring people together, that if you see a problem in your community, that you don't have to just sit back on the silence, but you can get in the arena, as Teddy Roosevelt said, um, and, and do your part to help your fellow uh, citizens. That's what I did. Well, I was student by president, that's what I intend to do now as uh, state representative. And then I think I've also learned that uh, young people have a part to play in our country's uh, future. And um, we, we deserve a seat at the table. We have a perspective that we can provide. Uh, that's, I think, uh, integral to forging um, the path forward for um, our state and our country. Uh, I think um, that's one thing I'm very encouraged by with this election outcome is I've gotten lots of messages from my friends, uh, some of who said you know, they were thinking about leaving Oklahoma, but now they're wanting to stay because they've seen what I've tried to do uh, when I've returned back home uh, and serve in this capacity. Um, and I had some friends uh, who volunteered on my campaign. They were never interested in politics, never interested in current events, but now they feel more engaged and more informed uh, and that's what I'm really proud of: uh, is getting those young people involved uh, in this process and, and giving them hope that everyone has a, a part to play in uh, determining what future we want. And, and then finally, I think um, uh, I, I learned this early on, but it's always about uh, the journey and not the destination. Uh, you know, we always had that long-term goalpost that we we're, were striving for. Uh, but what ultimately matters is kind of how you get there, and uh, the the type of person you grow into along the way, the people you meet. Uh, that's that's what ultimately you remember uh, years from now. It's going to be an, an exciting year, I think, uh, for me personally, and then I think for the uh, state of Oklahoma.
0: Well, thanks so much, Daniel, for uh, joining us, and uh, I really look forward to uh, following your career. and uh, And again, uh, I want to encourage anyone who's listening to, to this podcast that. The One thing that's ultimately true is that leaders lead. Uh, A leader is a person that will step up and say, okay, I'm going to do something about this. A lot of things get taken care of in this world when people sitting around the table say, you know, why don't we do this? And lo and behold, they say, well, okay, let's just go do it. And the next thing you know, it's happening. And that's leadership. That is what leadership is. It's people who see a need. Are willing to step out and say well I'll do something about that. It's great to see young people realizing that even in our sort of institutions uh, they have an opportunity there to be that kind of leader step and say so, well I'll run for office win or lose I'll make a difference uh, but I'll run and if I get the chance to serve then I'll show what uh, what we can bring to the table and so I really commend you on uh, taking that step and we're excited uh, to see you and other young uh, young leaders of both parties stepping forward and offering that kind of service to our state. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Golden. Young people have always been called on to put their lives on the line for this country, and now they're stepping up. They're stepping up to political leadership in, at a younger and younger age, and we've listened to one of them, State Representative Daniel Pay of Lawton. Oklahoma is a place where young people are starting to step up and uh, and offer themselves of this kind of service, so we wish them and all of the co- his colleagues the greatest of success in this upcoming legislative session. And I'll again, my thanks to Bank First of Lawton and local president, Mark Brace, for his gracious opportunity in offering their boardroom to record this episode of the Spirit of Leading podcast. Well, that's it for this installment of the Spirit of Leading. I wanna thank you for listening. I also encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone in your community who demonstrates the spirit of leading, whether it's at work or in service in the community in some way. Be watching for the next installment of The Spirit of Leading and sign up for the podcast. You'll receive notifications when the next installment is published. You'll also receive links to my weekly Empowering Thoughts. So until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day, to encourage the spirit, to enlighten the heart, to enlighten the mind, and to enlarge the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters. <music>